right. <laughs> so when do I stop? 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Give it 30 minutes? Okay. It's really a joy to be here and to uh, see all you, all of you. Um, I don't think Hama mentioned that I, I teach the Dharma Punks in San Jose usually once a month. Lately it's been a little more than that because the other teachers that we, we rotate been going places and um, and I really love it <laughs> I, I love the, the the real passionate interest people have in the Dharma and and how direct and and interested in applying it so that's really what I think is important you know get too theoretical and what's the point <laughs> So um, so I'm really happy to be here and meet you and see this, this very sweet space you, you meet in. So one of the things I really enjoy doing as a nun and as a Dharma practitioner is reading the Buddha's words. And I don't know how many of you do that on a regular basis, but it's actually, a, I find it really inspiring and I discover little gems in there that I've never heard any teachers talk about and, and applies to my life and that, that really connects me to the Buddha. Sometimes you feel like you're just right there, you know, in you know, ancient India 2,500 years ago and people are having the same problems we've got now <laughs> and talking to him about them. So when we were studying, we study the the Buddhist uh, discourses each week at my place in in uh, Mountain View, California. And um, one night we ran across this one particular sutta that said a few things I had not heard before, and I liked it, so I wanted to share it with you. It's a fairly short discourse, and it's in the um, numerical discourses, or the Anguttara Nikaya. And... It, I'm going to start out kind of at the end of the sutta, but basically it was the part that grabbed me. And I'll just ask you have, you, have you ever had any fear of losing your livelihood? I think there's more of it these days than ever as the pressure builds um, Have you ever been afraid of getting a bad reputation? Like maybe somebody saying something about you that isn't true? Or Have you ever been afraid of speaking out in public? And you probably know about those surveys where they ask, you know, what are you most afraid of? And people have to order it. And public speaking is higher than death. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> just speaking out in public or um, you know what, what it translates as is uh, being timid in public, a fear of being timid in public. And then the, there, there are five fears that he talks about and the fourth one is the fear of death, which it comes around 
um, comes up in our minds, I think, for, for many of us some, at some point. And then the fifth fear he mentions is the fear of what will happen after death. Um, I'm, I'm, where I live in Mountain View, there's a retirement center about three blocks away. And I actually am situated there because my mother lives in the retirement center. She's almost 88 years old. And um, I've been visiting there for years now, and the people know me, the people that live there. And they like to talk to me about all kinds of things. And they ask me about death and what happens after death. And, and just as kind of an aside, I, I, um, I don't know how many of you know who Ajahn Jeff is, or Tanisaro Bhikkhu. He's written a lot of books, and you can find him on a website, a lot of the, what he's written and a lot of other things on a website called Access to Insight, which is a really good place to be able to read some of the discourses of the Buddha. If you don't have these like mega books that... <laughs> um, he visited and actually taught at my place on Tuesday night just before I came out here. And he went over and visited my mom at the retirement center. He's been a monk for 35 years. And, um, and one of the things that we talked about was death and preparing for death. And he said that we can practice, to, we can practice for death. And what he suggested is that we, he said, when you die, there are going to be choices. That you're going to be presented with opportunities to take rebirth. And sometimes we're so anxious to get reborn that we just take the first thing that comes along. But he said, don't do that. Read the fine print. And, and, and look for a situation that really is going to benefit you, like a place where you can practice the Dharma. And he said, you can practice this. Before you go to sleep at night, you can practice considering what kind of life you'd like to have next time around and what you would like to, you know, those conditions to be. And we can also practice in our normal life when we have choices and to really think through you know, read the fine print and be patient to to choose. I thought that was pretty interesting. I'd never heard that before. <laughs> it's interesting hearing someone tell that to somebody who's like 88, you know, because, man, my mom said, you know, you think about death a lot more as you get to be that age. And you just wonder, what's that going to be like? She says, what's that going to be like? You close your eyes, then what? Anyway, that's a bit of an aside. <laughs> but, the, but the Buddha said we can overcome these five fears and never fear these five things again. Never have to fear losing our livelihood or getting a bad reputation or being anything less than fully confident no matter where you are, in public, wherever. Never have to fear death. Never have to fear what comes after And he said, in order to do that, we have to develop four powers. Bet you'd like to know what those are, huh? (laughs) Yeah, he said, um, the first one is the power of wisdom. 
And when the Buddha talked about things like that, like using words like wisdom or you know, other things, he'd, he would define what he meant in that particular case. <laughs> it's okay, keep going, it's all right. Yes. But to, to, what he means in this case about wisdom is the wisdom to know if something's wholesome or unwholesome, if it's something that's blamable or not blamable, something that's, that's dark or something that's bright. He goes through a series of these kinds of opposites and to know what that is. Now, the Buddha didn't give like commandments, you know, you shall not do this or that. What he would say is you have to look at whether something's helping or harmful. That's what makes it wholesome or unwholesome. What's the, the, the immediate and long-term result? Is it, is it going to be good for you and others? Or is it going to cause harm for you or for others? That's what makes it wholesome or unwholesome. So he said that the wisdom he's talking about is the wisdom to know that difference. And of course, one of the ways we can look at whether something's wholesome or not is, is how does it stack up with the five precepts? How does it stack up with how we feel if someone does those things to us? Or, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways through our life experience that we can recognize whether something we're going to do is actually going to have good results or we experience them having good results or we look back and we see, oh, that produced good results. I'll do that again. I don't mean good like we get something out of it, not like gaining or pleasure or none of that, but wholesome in the sense that it lifts us higher. Closer to awakening rather than like pulling us down into something more dark or more confusing or more evoking greed more or evoking aversion more. What we want is is freedom from those things. So that's the first power. And the second power is the power of energy. And just so you get the full kind of picture, he gives the same sort of list, but I'm going to read it here so I don't miss any bits. So he says, one generates the desire to abandon those qualities that are unwholesome, those that are blamable, those that are dark, those that should not be cultivated, those that are unworthy of noble ones. Now, who are the noble ones? And how do you become one of those? It's not like just monks or nuns or any of that. It's you. It depends on how we live. If we live, if we live in a way that has integrity and we're grounded in, in goodness, that's noble. Worthy of the noble ones and that and they do not should not be cultivated they um let's see it generates the desire to abandon the qualities that are unwholesome blamable dark not to be cultivated 
those unworthy of the noble ones. And you make an effort, arouse energy, apply one's mind and strives for this. And I love that sequence. One makes an effort, arouses energy, applies one's mind and strives for this. Abandoning those unwholesome things. And generates the desire to obtain all those qualities that are wholesome, that are blameless, that are bright, that should be cultivated, that are worthy of the noble ones. One makes an effort, arouses energy, applies one's mind and strives for this. This is called the power of energy. And we can cultivate these things, the wisdom, the energy, and we can make them a habit. And when that makes, becomes a habit in our life, then it becomes part of our character. And then it naturally leads us upwards. That creates our karma. That determines our rebirth. It determines the, the array of choices that come to us at that time. So what's the third power? It's the power of blamelessness. So right there, you know, it's like living by the five precepts. You know, if, we, if we're telling the truth, if we're, if we're not taking anything that isn't offered to us, if we're not doing any harm with our sexuality, and you know, the, the other one's not killing, not using drugs and alcohol so that we're, you know, doing these other things more easily. And say, nobody can blame us for anything. I mean, they will, but it won't matter. Because the Buddha says you can never avoid being blamed. <laughs> Everybody gets blamed. <laughs> he said, there's one place where he says, if you, if you talk too much, they'll blame you. And if you don't talk enough, they'll blame you. You just can't get away from it. <laughs> but it doesn't make any difference if we're actually operating with integrity. It doesn't mean you never make mistakes, but the Buddha had that handled too. Because sometimes we don't judge properly. We, we make errors. We fail in some way and it's okay in Buddhism it's all about um, recovery it's all about you know rehabilitation even like us nuns we've got 311 rules believe me they, they don't all get kept perfectly and then you have this opportunity to acknowledge that and to talk to another nun about it and to recognize, you know, why did that happen? And what am I going to do about that in the future? And then you're past it. So there's this monk called Ajahn Brahm. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a great monk to listen to. I see heads shaking. Yeah. He's um, really uplifting talks. And you can just um, do, you know, go to YouTube and he's all over the place. Ajahn Brahm, B-R-A-H-M. And um, he says he likes the AFL method. And he's not talking about the football league. He's talking about acknowledge, acknowledge what we've done, forgive, and learn. There's no place for guilt in Buddhism. It's an unhealthy, unwhole, it's one of those unwholesome qualities that we turn away from. But we do need to acknowledge what we do, forgive ourselves, forgive others, and learn. And I always have to say this one bit about forgiving. It doesn't mean you agree with what somebody's done. It doesn't mean you subject yourself to further 
bad treatment if that's what's happened. But you can always just see, okay, that's, that's what's happened. I can let go of that. I can know full well with wisdom what it is, what that person's like, what they might do, but I don't have to get you know, caught up in holding on to that and, and make any kind of darkness in my own heart. The fourth power is one I really, I just like, wow, I never thought about that. Never thought about it in, ter- in these terms. He said the fourth power is sustaining a favorable relationship. And he said there's four means by which you sustain favorable relationships. Through giving, through endearing speech, through beneficent conduct, and impartiality. And he said, among the gifts, well, he said that that when you have a relationship with someone and you see that they would be supported or sustained with a gift, you give them a gift. If they would be supported or sustained by endearing speech, I mean, it needs to be truthful speech, but endearing speech, then you, you do that. If they would be sustained through um, beneficent conduct, doing something kind for them, then do that. If they would be sustained through impartiality, I thought, what does he mean by that? And then I, you know, I was thinking like, well, you know, in a family when you've got kids and, and you know, you treat them more or less equally, you know, impartially. Like a lot of times, like let's say in, in work, work life, how much trouble, or in the monastery, how much trouble comes from people playing favorites? And how much hurt and, and alienation? Whereas if you're impartial in your, in your, in your support of people, in a, you don't have to do the same thing for the same, in the same way all the time because it doesn't, the same thing doesn't fit every person. But to treat people with impartiality and how that, that breeds a sense of trust and, and, and confidence. So the Buddha said that when the noble disciple, which again is us, those of us following the Buddha's teachings, and then when you reflect, well, I'm not afraid on account of my livelihood. Why should I be afraid on account of my livelihood? I have the four powers. I have the power of wisdom, the power of energy, the power of blamelessness, and the power of sustaining a favorable relationship. An unwise person might be afraid on account of his livelihood. A lazy person might be afraid. A person who engages in blamable bodily, verbal, or mental conduct might be afraid. A person who doesn't sustain favorable, favorable relationships might be afraid. But I don't have to be afraid. It's okay. And I thought about this. You know, I came from a small town. My, my family were farmers. And I grew up on a farm. And I thought about this idea of sustainable relationships and not having to be afraid about your livelihood. And, and it was really true there. Like, Somebody'd have a problem, everybody'd help. And my dad got his foot in an auger, and an auger is like this thing that it was a he was almost finished with the harvest, and of course by that time you're really tired. 
And he got his foot in there and went to the hospital and all that. And all the neighbors came in and finished the harvest. And one year, even years before that, one of our neighbors got sick in the springtime and he couldn't, he couldn't plant. My father planted all his crops, all of them, his whole farm. And it's, it's like you're always doing something for other people and they're always there you know, doing stuff for you. And, and there's in that kind of a, of a bond, a community, you don't have to worry as much. You don't have to be as afraid. You've already, you're making the karma of giving. And then you've got this, you know, account that you can draw on if you need to. So many of us miss that now because we're not living in that kind of environment where we all know each other, we're really doing things for each other, we're really, you know, supporting each other. I think we, it's healthy and helpful to find ways to create that. Then we don't have to worry. And then the Buddha talked about, you know, uses this same language for the other fears. You know, why would I have to be afraid of getting a bad reputation? I'm doing anything wrong. <laughs> you know, why would I? And if I do, I admit it, and I'm, you know, try to go forward. I'm, I'm not afraid of, you know, speaking up in assemblies or that I'm going to be afraid or frightened or timid or, you know, because I don't have anything to hide. You know, just be there. I mean, sometimes it's not even about doing anything really wrong and having to sort of slink away. I mean, I think I spent the first 45 years of my life uncomfortable in my own skin. And it wasn't really until I started to meditate, started to, to really I look to, well, in my case, particularly the Dharma, the Buddhist, Buddhist teachings, as a framework within which to conduct my life that I started to really feel comfortable in myself. And it's amazing how the mind becomes purified over time. We just do this little by little by little, keeping precepts, practicing meditation, practicing kindness, practicing compassion, developing wisdom, seeing the world from a different perspective. Yeah, it's all falling apart. It's all falling apart. That's its nature. I don't have to scramble to pull it together. Wow. Okay. Where, what does that leave us? Well, it leaves us not worrying so much about whether we gain something or lose something, not worrying so much about whether there's some pain involved because there's going to be, <laughs> not worrying so much about you know, whether I'm famous or not famous or you know, somebody like not worrying about disrepute, not worrying about someone likes me or not. Well... I used to really be upset, worried about that kind of stuff. So I'm just saying it's really, I think what's so beautiful about the Buddhist teachings is that he gives clear ways to practice. And as we do it, we see good results. It's not like, oh, we got to practice, 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 and finally at the end, maybe some, boom, something happens. It's, it's gradual and, and the results come through. I'm not over time yet. <laughs> um, and death, 
and after death. It's like, I'm not afraid of going to a bad destination. Why should I be? I have the four powers, wisdom, energy, blamelessness, and I sustain a favorable relationship. I mean, I feel like there's always ways to do this better, but that's not the point. I mean, it's like we... It's not about perfection. It's about finding our way bit by bit to examine the things we think and the things we say and the things we do and and just see, well, how how harmless or was that harmful? And coming back to, yeah, you know, I don't think I want to do it that way again. Um, and gradually things change. There's less anger, um, less anxiety, more, more joy, more confidence. And it comes out directly out of our own choices. Our wisdom and our choices. Our wisdom, our willingness to put in the effort. And then there was this other discourse that's kind of short that I really enjoyed. It's about this person named Hataka. He came to see the Buddha with a large retinue. He had 500 followers. (laughs) He shows up with 500 people. And the Buddha says, it's kind of a large retinue you've got there, Hataka. (laughs) How do you manage to sustain that and Hataka says well I do it by means of the four things you taught me about sustaining favorable relationships if this person is going to be sustained by a gift I give him a gift and so on and he said good good Hataka that's the method for sustaining a large retinue And then the Buddha says to the monks, after Hataka leaves, he says, you should remember him because he's someone who possesses eight astounding and amazing qualities. He's endowed with faith. That means he has confidence. He's endowed with confidence in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the enlightened Sangha. He's virtuous. That means he keeps the five precepts. He has a sense of of moral, they say moral shame, but what it means is if you do something wrong, you feel bad about it, you notice, and you change that. And moral dread, which means you you don't want to do anything wrong, because you know that doing something wrong is, is really the only way that you'll fail, doing something like morally wrong. It's not about the, you know, whether I did something popular or whether I impressed this person. It's like, did I do something that really hurts someone or myself? So that was, that was number four. Number five, he's learned, he studies, he's generous, he's wise, and he has few desires. You should remember him. He possesses these eight astounding and amazing qualities. So when I read stuff like that, I feel like, yeah, 
I like that. Makes it clear. Feel like I can do that. I can I can I can work towards that. I can make progress in that. It's doable. So that's my reflection for this evening. <laughs>